0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the
1: 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world.
2: Welcome to the DFS pregame show. Welcome to the Roto Grinders today. Hold on, I'm trying to I'm trying to tweet out. I never get these tweet notifications that uh, this stuff has gone out, but uh, let me make sure so the people on Twitter know that uh, that I, that I am live. But uh, welcome to Roto Grinders today. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blendered Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Tuesday, October third. We're talking a little bit about MLB playoffs. We got a four game slate on DraftKings today. Uh, a little bit about the Soccer Champions League slate. We got soccer projections here at Rota grinders As well as uh, a, a prop slash sports betting uh, EV question. How to how to think like a profitable sports better? Very similar to how to think like a professional DFS player. It's all the same types of concepts. And if I'm talking game theory, I want to have this guy on. It's Alex Santi. Does a lot of the baseball content here. Also over at Fangraphs as well. Alex, are you... Are you relieved or you're upset that the regular season in
1: baseball is is over? I'm intensely relieved. Um, I had a rough year on the streets playing. Uh, I think it was my first losing MLB season since 2015. Um, So that was a little rough. And then just the content. I mean, the content is a grind, too. Um, I was writing, you know, doing expert survey and writing articles. um, And I do football. So once they start overlapping in September, I've done this. I think it's the fourth year that I've done both of them and September's a real tough grind in terms of content I mean I don't know how you do it with the shows every single day and keeping up with stuff but um I just having the headspace for both at the same time was a little rough rough this year so I'm relieved to just focus on football and have fun with baseball
2: well let's have fun today on the four game MLB slate on DraftKings all the games are spread out so we got you know three o'clock game four four thirty eastern seven o'clock eastern and eight o'clock eastern I'm not sure wouldn't necessarily get like all the lineups by by lock. You have to assume the teams are, I mean, this we're talking about playoffs. They're, 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 they're gonna play their best lineups, best, you know, their best pitchers, best everything. Uh the one A-plus thing I noticed lineup.
1: on well, what was that? Everyone's putting out their A plus lineup.
2: Right. one thing I do notice though, because everyone is you know putting out their you know the their best pitchers, I guess, in some sense, uh the totals are quite low. So we'd see here the highest yeah. total on the slate is uh, the Brewers, 4.57. We got the Phillies at 4.16. We got the, the Rays at 4.09, and then everyone else is is under four. From a DFS perspective, like it's a shorter slate. It's not one of these, you know, normal like 9, 10 type, game type of slates. What, what are we more inclined to do? From a roster construction perspective, on on a four game slate where where it's quite possible, like none of these teams score more than five runs.
1: It's also quite possible that none of these pitchers go six innings. So right there, I don't want to spend a lot of money on pitcher, and they've actually priced it down on DraftKings, so we don't have to spend you know eleven five on Gosman. So it's like okay, Gosman might only go five and a half, but uh, here he's only what ninety eight hundred ninety eight hundred. So yeah, they made um, they made the, they made the pricing so
2: like. You could kind of stack any team you want and play whatever pitches you want to some extent. There are always cheap peaches in some of these stacks to do so. But the question is, is that is are you are you forcing in the need for a five man stack on DraftKings? Because it's it's actually there's less teams and it's less likely that one actually puts up, you know, eight, nine, ten runs. Is this is I know I know. Dean, Dean, I make fun of him with the one, 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 one. I'm not saying to go to that extent, but I think I'm much more open to lineups that are four twos, three threes, stuff like that, and uh, and you and to me, you could. I mean, I think a lot of people are going to maybe attack, you know, Brandon Fad or something like that, right? Because a lot of these pitchers, from a name value perspective, are pretty good. I mean. Is that necessarily the way to go? Would you more likely, would you rather have like a five-man Philly stack with guys like, you know, you have to throw in a Johan Rojas or a Christian Posh at a five-man stack? Or would you rather just like, I'll take three hitters from this team, three hitters from that team, two hitters from the other team, and most likely, you know, five guys from one team are, aren't going to be, you know, the ceiling potential there is lower and the roster construction dynamics of the field are more likely to actually stack five guys
1: see i'm going to push back on that a little bit i think the opposite is going to happen i think because we have Gaussman glass now lopez wheeler burns i mean that's just a big names. then lazardo has got a lot of strikeouts in there i think people are gonna be afraid and say well look at these look at these totals no one's gonna really get broken down to eight, nine, ten runs. So I want to take three from this pitcher, three from this pitcher, two from this pitcher. So I think the I think the contrarian build is going to be outside of a five-man Brewer stack to at least go four-four or four-three-one or five, two, one, 5 You know, I, I don't think people are gonna full stack and double stack the slate very much, and people don't stack as much as they should as it is. We know this. Right. This before. So I think they're gonna do it. I think they're less inclined when they're really good when there's good pitching. I think people are gonna say, Do I really want to play five hitters against Tyler Glasnow? Do I really want to play five hitters against Kevin Gaussman? Do I really want to play five hitters against Zach Wheeler? I think people are just gonna say no. And they're gonna tinker around and spread out and it's gonna you know look like grandma's teeth.
2: Well, we see here in the plate IQ optimal as of right now with our uh, projections. Uh, that will be updated throughout the day. So obviously, you know, as lineups get confirmed and everything, weather, umpires, that type of stuff. Our, our projections team, our data science people behind the scenes, they 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 take care of all that for us. We see Wheeler and Glas now, and you know the the top here, and then you get you get like Milwaukee, Toronto, Minnesota, and I mean Toronto against Pablo Lopez. I mean there are times that Pablo Lopez. Does not look good. I mean, there have been yeah. games where Pablo Lopez strikes out 12. I'm I'm more inclined. I mean, I've I've been mostly for the past three months been taking Lopez unders almost every start. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he's gonna be 22% owned, which I mean is not like high high on the slate, but if I were to attack any pitcher that isn't like I'm not attacking Brandon Fat or something like that. With the no. Milwaukee, which
1: I think will be the shocking option, that at all. Right? I'm acting out the Brewers in terms of a stack. If I if I stumble on a one off, I'll stumble on a one off. But but how about Toronto? I was just about to say, you know, pull up Toronto. Just isolate Toronto for the screen, the screen share. I was shocked by their ownership. Are you shocked? Take a look at these numbers. Well cuz it's a that's price, price I, it look, I mean
2: look at the pricing. I mean that's the yeah. that's kind of the reason here. It's like when all these team totals are fairly low, I mean when you could get when you could get a stack here when you could pick out, you know, a Cavan Biggio at the second base position that's weak and get him for 2800. You got all these lefties against Lopez. Brandon Belt's cheap and he's going to probably bat higher up in the order. Springer's only 4600. I mean Guerrero's 4900. I mean these guys are are from their, for their baseline talent standpoint, they're they're cheap.
1: Jordan, the pitching is free. I understand why they're getting owned that way, but do I want to go after the second highest um, owned team on the slate? Because, you know, I, I could get it if we were talking about three aces and five bums and the three aces are in the 10, 10K range. It's like, well, they're cheap. You know, value begets ownership, and maybe I just have to eat the ownership. Um when all the pitching is cheap, I don't even want to play the 9K guys. I could be fine with Wheeler and Burns. Do I really need to save even more, you know, compound savings with chalk?
2: Well, how about Minnesota? I mean, I think, Ga- I mean, Gausman's going to be owned. I think Minnesota, I mean, you have a similar dynamic here that outside of Royce Lewis at 5,500, which seems a bit excessive. Uh, these guys are cheap. I mean, they strike out a lot, a lot. but Ga- Gaussman gets into trouble also.
1: He does. There are four pitchers on the slate. Um, first thing I noticed when I pulled it up on my spreadsheet, four pitchers on the slate had barrel rates of over 9% this season. Lozardo, 9.3%. Gossman, 9.8%. Uh, Glasnow, 11.6%. And Fought 11.7%. So these are guys who are all getting hit really hard, and Glassnow and Gossman are going to get some ownership. There isn't, there isn't just like a magical spot outside of probably the Brewers, and I don't want to play the Brewers with that ownership. Why not just attack Glassown, uh Gossman, and Lazaro? I
2: mean that's the that's the ultra leverage move to, to attack both of them in the same lineup.
1: Why not? They get hit the hardest. They got both teams have thumpers. You know, we're not talking about the Guardians here, where no one actually hits a fucking home run. Sorry, I shouldn't say that on the air. Um, we're talking about teams that can hit a lot of home runs, and we don't need them to win. You know, we don't need them to win t- ten to one. We already talked about this. They could score five or six runs on Gal or class now and hit three or four home runs.
2: And that would win on a four-game
1: slate. That would complete that would smash.
2: Michael Townsend in the chat says it would be ironic if Toronto, who hasn't hit all year, suddenly went bonkers in October.
1: <laughs> I'm a little salty on that
2: one. <laughs> in DFS, you I mean, same thing for same thing for the props. Like t- Toronto, I mean, I've gotten a lot of like over total bases, over hits, runs, RBIs, you yeah, know, shows, his, shows us positive, uh, positive uh, edge. And then it's just, you watch you watch someone like Brandon belt strike out three times in a row and Vladdy look at, like, you know, look, you know, sh- strike out looking on a pitch that yeah. could have easily been a home run. And it gets, you know, people at six months of MLB DFS, people just get like, nope, I'm Xing out. I'm Xing cool, out yeah. the Blue Jays, Xing right. out the Yankees, Xing sure. out all these teams that that are supposed to be good, but they're gutless, not
1: as uh, Kirk Deese would say.
2: Right, gutless. So you so you're more inclined to you're more inclined to Minnesota, Texas,
1: and Texas, I was surprised I by I was surprised by Philly's ownership. isolated Philly's ownership. I thought they were going to be higher owned. A left well, I mean, this is, ar- I mean this is just I mean, we're obviously we're just early. This um, isn't like this low isn't, owned.
2: I mean, Trey, it isn't low, but is, I
1: I think I expected the Phillies and the Blue Jays ownership to kind of flip a little bit, but the pricing, oh. it makes sense. But I thought because the pitching was so cheap, I thought that people would spend up. I thought the, you know, the algorithm would still have people spending up a little bit in this 4k range for Philly.
2: Yeah. But so, how do you get all of them in? The problem is how do you get all of them in? Trey Turner's ownership is high only because short shortstop is a much scarcer position, but I mean, but how do you play? How do you do? How do you play Harper, Schwarber, Turner, Realmuto Castellanos? Like how do, you, like how do you do? You can't do. You have to play one of the cheaper Philly guys to even like stack the team. I think the ownership. I mean, to get Schwarber and Harper, lefty on lefty, especially at sub ten percent owned on a four game slate. I don't know. If it, stacking them, I'm not sure. But I mean. Both these guys have ceilings and uh, it's not like Lazardo is going to pitch the whole game. Anyway, he gives up barrels even to lefties. So these guys is one off side, no problem with, but, but the problem is, is that stacking Philly, even with yet, yeah, you say that the pitching is cheap, but I mean, it's not cheap enough to stack three, three guys at five K and two guys at the high four K's like, you know, we don't have some six so, K pitcher to use.
1: So as you were talking, I did fit in three Phillies pretty easily with Minnesota.
2: What Minnesota guys are you playing? Correa, uh, Kirilov, Julianne. Okay, so that's Michael a little Taylor. bit cheaper. Yeah, you, you fit in the, the, the scarce spot in the shortstop. and in uh, Right, so you're not playing Trey Turner, and then you're playing second which, base I mean, with Julianne, right, the, the scarcer positions.
1: Which do I really – I mean, I don't think we need Trey Turner against a lefty. Uh, I mean, lefty's a little bit better at holding runners anyway. He's a very good hitter against lefties. Don't get me wrong, but we want his speed to work um, for that price. Because what is he five four? What's his five, price five, He's 5'9".
2: Five, 5'9", nine. Five, nine. Yeah, I want to see. Uh, Willia Adamis. Willia Adamis probably will be a little higher owned at forty four hundred against Fat for Milwaukee. But like, who's playing? Like, who's playing Seeger? I mean, we have uh, uh, a STL cards.
1: So you can fit in. Uh, you can fit in again back to Minnesota. Um, you can fit Minnesota and Texas together. You just go after Goss, Gossman and uh, Glasson. They All fit clever. together pretty well for a four-four stack. Well, you're either going to win a lot, or you. I'm just looking at this for the first. I'm looking at this for the first time. Just right, so I know, know this. I'm I mean, cl- this I'm is clicking this around. Is and, how are you you supposed know, to? Right. Yeah, and I I just fit a four-four. Um... Oh, Garver is not in the lineup, so slip on down to Jonah Heim, was probably a little bit cheaper i'll leave 300 on the table yeah i've got texas and minnesota with wheeler and burns and i just clicked around in about a minute and figured out this lineup i I think it's a pretty strong lineup
2: i don't know i'm not sure i don't think we have crunch time today right for mlb playoffs i don't i don't think so i don't know in the middle
1: of the day yeah but we do we do
2: have we do have a discord we have an mlb channel in our discord You don't even have to be a premium member. You could join rotogrinders.com slash discord. You could always tag Alex or me in there. Also the bat channel. If you're, you're a bat subscriber for Cardi's projections. So you could, you could, you join us in there for the, for the MLB playoff slate.
1: But, but yeah, I I play poker five, six times a week, uh, sessions a week. And if I'm playing poker, I'm in the discord. I'm chatting with people. So chat with the people.
2: Right, Because you're in front of your you know you have twenty four tables of, of poker on your screen
1: i I do four sir i'm I'm forty years old I can't do I can't do sixteen tables anymore <laughs> well t- talking about poker
2: if if you if you came from poker one of one of the the most the one of the reasons why a lot of poker players are good at DFS is because DFS and sports betting and and any card game any any you no know, game, game games that mix skill and chance involve a concept such as expected value and thinking probabilistically about outcomes rather than absolutely about mm-hmm. outcomes so it's not a matter of like oh well milwaukee like on this slate like oh you're not playing multiple milwaukee stack it's like not that you're not saying that they're not going to do well it's just in comparison to the payout that you will get at their ownership yes. it's it's not worth it it's like you know betting on a on a on a six-sided die roll and only getting 4 to 1 odds. It's like even if you could predict kind of better than the most what number is going to come out, you're not going to pay the proper odds for what what the result is going to be and that's very similar to what for what ownership is in DFS. It is it as Alex Alex one one thing you've said that you know conceptually it it makes sense is that Ownership is a cost. Salary isn't a cost. Ownership is a cost.
1: Yes, it is. Because when you take on ownership, when you absorb the Blue Jays ownership, putting it back into the context of today's slate, sure they're all cheap. But you're paying to match 5 6% of the field and what they're doing, 10% of the field. If you stack them up with Milwaukee, I mean, you're just paying the rake at that point. Um, at I would ownership. rather... Yeah. Right. And I'd rather if, I, if I
2: told Alex, if I told you that Milwaukee was going to be twice as less owned, 10% owned, your attitude would be Milwaukee, yeah. why aren't people playing Milwaukee? They have the highest team total. I'm just going to start jamming yeah, these yeah. guys in.
1: I jam it in. Um, but I always tell, you know, then people say, so what do I do from here when I tell them ownership is a cost? I say, spend up a little in salary for lesser ownership. It'll pay you back. You know, it's like, it's kind of like getting a loan, right? Like, uh, you get a loan to uh, to make a wager to make an exp- to make a high EV wager, and then you get it back and then some with interest, and then you pay back whoever you owe. you know it just you're gonna get it back when you pay down for if you pay up a little bit of salary for a good gain in ownership, you'll get it back
2: the same thing for projection. You're like if you're gonna if you're gonna pay in projection, meaning that, like, oh, I'm gonna play a lineup that is three or four points lower in projection. It's like, well, what do I get in return from it? I better get lower ownership. If
1: I better, don't get lower yeah, ownership
2: Then this trade is not beneficial to me.
1: You have to. You absolutely have to get something out of it. Or you get correlation, which correlation is a boost in itself too, right? Like, mm-hmm. especially in baseball. Correlation is like adding projected points, so not even on like a linear scale. Sometimes it can be exponential mm-hmm. difference between stacking, you know, stacking a chalk team two ways and just stacking that chalk team five ways and you end up including one or two guys who aren't very high owned and then you stack, then you couple it up with something else you know but we've talked about this about the braves so a lot of people the field was largely starting to stack the braves big time in july and it rode through through the end of september the field was still only stacking two braves at a time you look at so many of these lineups and it's just like two Braves at a time, three Braves at a time, two Braves, two Braves, two Braves. Whereas oh, because they were the expensive sharper, and people couldn't afford so they, didn't want,
2: they didn't want to play a $5,800 pitcher and exactly. hope for the best.
1: The sharper players, though, whose lineups I was looking at, they were going four or five every single time. Four or five every single time and finding the value of somewhere else, a pitcher, and they were using the correlation to offset the, the projected ownership of the individual players.
2: That's that's the topics that uh, I talk about on the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, 15-hour audio DFS master class, as well as the advanced players course. Right, with the Excel tools from James McCool, you get it at theoryofdfs.com, and you and you uh, you most gracefully have like like the the fe- the featured testimonial on on the, on the main page. So, so
1: people have asked you. me if you paid me for that people have asked I've, if I paid you i've paid i had four people because i've suggested it to people that said oh were you uh did jordan pay you to endorse the product i was like no i bought it i really liked it and i sent him an email saying how much i liked it <laughs> <laughs> people <laughs> are so
2: cynical people are so cynical in this space yeah they're right cynical. i mean well, they're at like least I'm, in this space right at least on my shows like i i, I eat my own dog food i Everything yeah. I show on this show and on all my shows is stuff that I actually use. It it may not be what I only use, but I'm never going to show and I'm never going to say anything that's that I don't think is of value or something like like oh yeah oh yeah here's lineup HQ, but I actually use my own optimizer. It's like no, I use I use lineup HQ. It's like here's here's the bad projections that from Cardi. It's like those are the projections I use. I may look at other projections. I may aggregate some projections. I may change ownership a little. I may take a look and see around and whatever, but everything I show on my shows, I use, I I did. That's, there's no reason for me to say, it's like, Oh, here's, here's this piece of content here at Roto grinders. I want you to read it. Even though I don't like that.
1: It doesn't make any sense. in, In what we're doing here and the articles are right. I think skin in the game is so important. Like I've been playing baseball for six months straight. Pretty much every single day. And I, you think on a Tuesday afternoon after a football weekend, I want to play in a four game slate with Kevin Gossman and Tyler Glass now and no bums on there. No, but I'm going to plunk 100 bucks into it because I'm on the show and I'm talking to you people about it. So I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. Mm-hmm. Talking about do.
2: putting your money where your mouth is, let's, we, we talk about expected value, how to think these going through problems, even if they're not related to sports. Even if they're not related to betting or DFS, helps you continuously always think when approached with a problem to think probabilistically, think in terms of expected value. So I I tweeted this out yesterday. I, w- I wanted to gauge. I I didn't know, right? Because you know, Kentucky just opened sports betting up on Thursday. And even though I've been on Price picks and underdog for over a year, profitably. Now that I have access to more outs and more markets and, you know, don't, don't have to hit three, four, five in a given day for like nine X and 25 X that I, maybe I get a better price. Betting it straight on DraftKings, FanDuel, Caesars, wherever. So I'm always going to go for where's the, where's the best price? Where's the best number? Like that's, if I get more outs, that's what I'm going to do. So on these sites, when you sign up, and also throughout the course of you know every day sometimes, depending on your account, you'll get you'll get credits or bonus mm-hmm. bets,
1: right? I got one last weekend.
2: Right. Okay. So people there the the amount of people that don't understand the expected value of bonus bets astounds me because it's it's actually a fairly simple problem. It's not complicated math or anything. So like If you got, Alex, a $100 bonus bet, okay, Mm -hmm. so basically the site is giving you, here's a free $100. They don't want to use the term free because it's not free, right? They're bonus bets, yeah. Right, they're bonus bets. So here's $100. You don't get to keep the $100, right? You just now have access to any bet on the site that you can put $100 towards, which means whatever you win from the bet, you get to keep. But that original hundred dollars you don't you don't you don't you don't get, right? Typically, if okay. you're gonna bet you know hundred dollars on a plus one fifty, you're gonna win one hundred fifty dollars and then also get your hundred dollars, right? Because you bet your mm. own hundred your real cash on it, so you're gonna get two fifty in total back, right? Mm. On this, you wouldn't. You would just get the one fifty. You just get whatever whatever yeah, the odds on that on are posted. One. Okay. Yeah. So in that case, Alex, for a bonus bet right, from an expected value standpoint, would you rather bet it on a minus 400 money line, right? Because remember, you have access to everything, right? Minus 400 money line. Okay. Minus 150 spread or total, you know, like, you know, the the Seahawks to win by two and a half, you know, whatever. Or a total, 47 and a half over under. And it was, and, and these odds are efficient odds. So we're just assuming that okay. those are the true odds. There's no like, well, there's no edge in certain what Like there's, there's all a completely efficient market. Okay. Minus 400 on a money line. Minus 150 on a spread or a total. Plus 150 on a spread or a total. Or plus 400 on a money line. So basically a heavy favorite to win. A heavy underdog to win. Or... Something in the middle that has like totals or spreads that are, you know, obviously much more efficient markets where, you know, the spread is seven. You know, you're getting, you know, you're going to find some bet in between that range that is fairly efficient. So which one for this bonus bet would you put a hundred, your hundred dollar bonus bet on for if you wanted the most profitability, the highest expected value?
1: I kind of had this bet this weekend. So I was offered a hundred dollar bonus bet to FanDuel. And I haven't touched the FanDuel Sportsbook in probably four or five weeks. Um, So I decided this was on Saturday. So I was like, I'm going to watch the fight tonight. Fuck it. Why not just, like, put it on the fight? So so Canelo was, I think, minus 500. And his opponent, Charlo, was, I believe, plus 320. So I just put the – I did a parlay with uh, Charlo at 320 for the whole hundred bucks
2: but people would say people would look at you and go well that's not going to happen that often so like the site is giving you a bonus bet they're saying here's a here's $100 to bet on anything so many people out there i'm telling you cuz i see it i see it on twitter they'll t- mm-hmm. they'll take a bonus bet and go i'm putting it on a minus 400 college football team and you know they get their they get their their 20 bucks right? They're $25 or yeah. whatever. And, and most, a lot of the time and they go, well, isn't that nice? I get a nice 20, 25 bucks into my account and they don't realize that this, that, that FanDuel in, in that case, their trading team is high-fiving each other.
1: Yeah. So what I was doing was uh, I ended up parlaying with some NFL stuff and I lost this trial. A little, you know, I didn't even really follow it, but I think my total, I did a four leg, Uh, three NFL bets and uh, the Charlo bet and I think it came out to about plus 1200.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
2: but So why 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 the, why the long shot i'm i'm obviously leading you yeah. right i'm obvi- i mean it's quite obvious here that most people put it on some big favorite or some you know minus whatever but whatever it is why is it that it's like the site's giving you a, like a $100 bonus bet and you're like yeah i'm going to put something together that's like plus 1200 like even if we assume everything is efficient like
0: this was actually Why? a hyper efficient
1: line too, because I, I was looking around in some of the research I did, it was looking like eighty to eighty-five percent uh chance that Canelo would win. So it only came out to like two dollars expected value if I actually took the bet and won. Because at minus five hundred, you're talking maybe eighty-three percent. Um, I wasn't gonna win much money if I made that bet anyway. But what but the main reason uh, the pay, here... the payout was so slow the payout was so low that the times when I lose, you know, I lose the full hundred, but the times that I win, I'm only Well, you don't lose
2: angry. any... The, the key well, point I don't lose... Out, it, like, yeah, I guess I don't. You don't well, lose any. you don't lose I, anything. You don't get... People don't understand, right? Well, there an opportunity
1: said, cost? Oh, I get what you're saying, but I'm talking right, about Right, right, but you're, you're cost going cost off on things that value. don't matter anymore.
2: Okay. You do get not get saying. the hundred dollars back if you win the bet. You do not... The key point of all of this is you don't get the hundred dollars back. So... If you just simply do an expected value calculation, which is very simple, $100 bonus, no sweat with the stake not returned. So let's say you put it on a thousand minus 1,000 odds. We all of these are efficient odds. Minus 1,000 converted to probability is 90%. But the $100, like if you win this bet, you will get 10 bucks, right? So you have a 90% chance at $10
1: minus five hundred is
2: an eighty three percent chance. So you see here that plus one thousand odds only happens ten percent of the time, but you get paid a thousand dollars because you're not getting the hundred like if the hundred dollars came back to you, then yeah, sure, then you could put it on anything and sure, do it on minus one thousand cause you would have a ninety percent chance at a hundred and ten dollars. You would have an 83% chance at $120. You would have a 75% chance at $133. Like that $100 makes a big difference in comparison to 10, 20, 33, and 50. But since you do not get that, that, that credit in cash back with your winnings, you should be, you should, within reason, whatever the amount of money means to you, being putting it on the longest shot that you're willing to to put it on as, as long as it's reasonably efficient i don't put it on something that's plus plus a 1000 that should be plus 50000 i mean like like mm-hmm. if the odds are that far off but if everything was efficient like i use my bonus bets typically in like this 200 300 500 range right if i find no, if such- i find something that's worth doing or plugging things in together i use this this uh this poll i did three different ones right the first okay. one had minus 400 minus 1 all these money line spread total just to see if people are like well the money line and the spread totals matter it doesn't right as long as the lines are efficient it doesn't matter what it is and then yeah. i also did one where it's like would you rather do $25 bets at minus 400 10 $10 bets at minus 150 5 $20 bets at plus 150 and $100 bet at plus 400 thinking in their mind going well, if I just do 20 of them, I'm going to win most of them. So my variance is going to be lo- like, none of this matters. It's You put it on the, long- the, the longest shot out of the, this bunch is going to have the highest expected value. And then even the third one, I'm like money line at minus 900, spread total at minus 150, two leg parlay at plus 150, three leg SGP at plus 900. And the only reason I did minus 900 and plus 900, so no one could make the case that like SGP holds are like very high, so like mm-hmm. oh you'd rather do the two leg parlay because SGP is at... so it's like oh let's make it ridiculous uh, yeah people look at this and go oh I've been told parlays and same game parlays are like are sucker bets like you shouldn't be playing it's like with your regular money yeah maybe that is true <laughs> but they're giving they're giving you they're giving you a bonus bet so like you I'd much rather play a twenty percent hold SGP at plus nine hundred than a 4% hold at minus 900. Because even with taking into account the hold, like I'm not getting the $100 back. I'm not getting the credit back. So having having a 98% chance, like imagine you having a 98% chance of winning the bet. That's 20 cents of expected value on 100. So imagine you went out and you said, I'm going to put it on a minus 50. That's what minus 50,000 is, like 98-ish percent. So people do that. People go, they put it on, they go, let me find minus 50,000. And they think they're getting $100 and 20 cents from doing that. But no, they're just getting 20 cents from doing that. And I think that's one of the main reasons on these promos. You have to read, always read the fine print that they highlight multiple times. That the original stake of the bonus bet, you do not get back. I'm assuming their support... The the team is like, you know, oh, I put it on minus 1000, you know, how come, how come uh, I only got 10 bucks and I didn't get, uh, get $110. And it's like, well, did you, did you read? You don't, you don't, you don't get that. You don't get that at all. So that's the reason why Alex, like who cares about parlays, whatever, like, I'm not even getting to that point of like what you should like specific bets or anything, be more inclined to use your bonus credits. On longer shots, whether that Mm -hmm. if you randomly chose just been just went on the board and say, I'm going to find something at plus 300 or plus 500 and just did that and didn't think about it at all. That would be infinitely better, not infinite, but very, very much better than spending an hour to find the best minus 300. Right. You'd rather just randomly select a plus 300 than even go, oh, this minus 300 team really should be minus 360. It's like, mm. you're not going to make up the difference. Look at the difference in expected value between a minus 300 and a plus 300. It's three times the expected value. That's huge. That's huge. Look, I mean, look at the difference between minus 1,000 and plus 1,000. 10x. Right? Almost 11x the expected value.
0: Mm. Minus
2: 500 to plus 500 is... 5x the expected value, right? Anything in the middle. I mean, hey, if you're like, oh, the money means a lot to me. So, I mean, I'd much rather have a better chance of getting something. Fine. Do it on plus 150 rather than minus 150. That's at least a 1.5x difference. A lot of times I'm using these on, uh, Alex, what I do is I I, I do mostly props. So, I will see. It's like, oh, on my NFL props, do I have multiple props? plus EV ones that i'm betting straight or on underdog or prize picks that happen to be in the same game then i go okay i could put three of these together and yeah. use my 25 dollar bonus bet or whatever you know yeah and just do that and just go here here's here's those three together right and yeah. then then i get the best of both worlds is that those i think the lines are off compared to projections as they are i'm getting them all together i'm paying a little bit more of a hold but i'm dude it's my bonus bet i'm gonna to have to use them on something i mean they expire typically you know typically in a couple of days that that you get them so many people alex I, let me tell you i mean if you take a look at the results of the polls and this is my followers alex i mean, tend to be smarter people a third i don't know people- i
1: mean i could see i guess there's like i'm broke i really need the money i'm gonna at this spread at minus one hundred and fifty, like I can understand the psychology behind that. The, the, I don't understand the psychology of the spread at plus one hundred and fifty
2: because it's mu- it's much more likely to hit. Oh, I'm ga- I'm getting plus money, but it's still a forty percent chance. I don't want to. People look at plus four hundred and go. This remember how do people think in DFS and poker and like
1: what's most likely to happen? Right.
2: Once it it starts getting up to minus three hundred, minus four hundred, minus five, but they go, oh, this team is a lot to win. And once it gets to plus four hundred, like take a look at these MMA or boxing. You know, like you Canelo was minus five hundred to go. Okay, there's no chance that he loses. It's like no, of course there's a chance. It's just much lower, but it's it's not one percent that people people equate plus 400 to like it might as well be plus 2000 like why am i just throwing my money away yeah but if you're consistently getting bonus bets i mean that even from a variance standpoint there's no reason like especially if you're regularly you know betting and on these sites i mean even even on underdog these these boosts that they give you like people don't even know how to use those Mm. Right, they go and they go. Okay, I'm going to put this boost, this boost, and I'm going to put it in a five pick because they heard that oh, five picks are the highest EV way to play underdog and prize and prize picks. And I go, well, when they're giving you a boosted payout of, they're going from plus two hundred to plus three hundred on a two pick. That's a dramatic increase in EV now. Mm. That your boost should only be used in two picks now, even though anything else you'd never be using in two picks, and they just. Go, nope. They get stuck in their ways of like, this is this is what it, what it is. And then you also see the opposite. People know that like, oh, a five pick or a six pick flex on prize picks are the highest EV ways. I mean, the highest EV ways to go, as long as you find five or six props that are worthy of putting in. But then they go, it's like, well, I'm not going to win them that often. It's like, like yeah, you don't know, have to. Right, but it, it's like GPPs. It's like, yeah, you don't have, have to. Right, you don't have to win them that often. You win, you yeah. win one a week and you're up way, mu- way much more than putting in two picks and three picks on prize pick.
1: And you know what? I think this is where us as poker players, we just have a different mindset. There's like a healthy disregard for money. Emphasis on healthy. Um, I think the average person is really scared of losing. Even if they're playing within their means, You know, even that person who's managing their bankroll correctly is very scared of losing. Now, most people don't manage the bankroll correctly. I would guess 95 plus percent of people who are in the DFS streets and the prop streets are not managing their bankroll at all correctly. Um, so they're even more scared. When you play with scared money, like you're just gonna lose. You might as well just go play blackjack and like you know, have a good time. <laughs> Get some free trade. It's, it's more thinking Canada.
2: long-term. I think it's it's less the fear of losing. I think it's just a lacking a long-term mindset of. The goal isn't, isn't to win. I mean, you see this in DFS. What, what's your advice for me to win today? I go, I don't know what's going to happen today, but all I know is that I can give you advice that if you did it every day for the next two or three years, that the likelihood of you having showing profit and a decent amount of profit is quite high. I don't know when that profit comes. That's, you have to do that. Same thing for, for sports betting and prop betting and underdog and prize picks is that, you get you get the your money in good as often as possible and you'll show a profit oh, as to, as your sample size gets gets larger. But so many people are like, "Well, I want to bet $500 today." Like, how do how do I make money today? It's like, "Well, here's 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 a 2% edge, here's a 6% edge, here's a 15% edge, but that doesn't mean that Just you're going to win more often than the odds are that the payout is offering you. But like, imagine having a a 10% edge on a hundred dollar bet is only $10 expected value. Right. People think it's like, uh, as long as I put down 10 bucks a pop, right. I'm going to win all of these. Right. It's
1: like, no. Yeah. You get 10 bucks a pop. Right. (laughs) You know? And you know, I noticed it. So I was involved in the discord a lot more this season and Baseball players are a little more willing to take some risks on like a guy who isn't very good because you don't have to be very good to be in a good DFS lineup, especially in baseball. I think they understand that in baseball Um, football. I had a lot of pushback two weeks ago uh, on two ends. One, it was, I played Desmond Ritter and people were kind of calling me stupid. Not exactly those words, but like, you know, that was crazy. I was like, and someone literally said, Uh, But what if he sucks? I said, well, if he sucks, I lose. Who cares? (laughs) You know, Um, and I made the other remark about Justin Fields. I was just like, just casually saying, I don't really trust him because they're not letting him run. And I'm like, well, he's got all this speed. I was like, I know he's got all the tools, but if the coaches don't let him run, um, why do I want to play him? And then someone said, well, I'm going to play him. I said, well, I might play him. I don't trust him, but the projections say to play him. So I think I'm going to play him. And it's like blew some people's minds out. I don't like a guy. Don't think he's going to be very good but i was going to follow the projections and again someone said what if he throws four interceptions and i said well then i lose and somewhere in the football streets like i like it's somewhere between baseball and basketball basketball is a little more predictive the numbers a little more predictive than football whereas in baseball they're pretty much not predictive at all And somewhere football in the middle people are still very binary either they expect everything to be predictive or they're being a little too random And there isn't a mindset of like just being willing to make a decision that loses some money, or the greater
2: you're going to lose more often than you're going to win in DFS. Of course, that's welcome. I mean, my response is always welcome to DFS. It's like, oh yeah, I'm a GPP player, right? And and I and I lose. It seems like I lose like ninety percent of the time. I'm like, like welcome to well, you're now part of the circle. That's what it. Yeah, that's your expectation. But you want to make it so the ten percent of the time that you do win, you win a lot of money. That's the point. Yeah. If you're not building lineups to do that, then losing ninety percent of the time is going to be unprofitable.
1: Yeah. like my like my MLV season. So my uh, I started playing tournaments about three years ago, and my in the money rate was somewhere in the fifteen percent range. Um, and I did really well. I made good really good money, especially in hundred man, small fields you know so my in the money was higher because I was playing smaller fields and single entry stuff. This year, um, I think I played really well, but my but I was playing larger fields, and my in the monies were down in like the twelve percent. I didn't get anything big, so I didn't make any money. So I just move on to next year. Like I did really well. I made really good lineups for big, for larger for the contests that I was playing, um, and I lost over the course of six months. Like six months is fucking nothing.
2: Right, <laughs> right. The sample sizes of DFS to 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 normalize to within one standard deviation are. Are, insa- are Are legitimately insane, like yeah. lifetimes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex, I also wanted to touch on oh, we have Champions League soccer today before we get out of here. I know you don't play soccer, so I'm not going to bore you I with don't. any type of soccer stuff in general as far as you know, games to target and stuff like that. we We have a soccer Discord channel. We have soccer projections here. Uh, The Jemino, Tuttle, Alex Hooper—they they work on it. Obviously, I'm. If you could always tag me in the soccer channel. Obviously, I'm. I mean, not to not to pat myself on the back, but probably considered top ten ever soccer DFS players of all time. I mean, that's where I started from, and I play all the main slates for for this stuff. Uh, when using our soccer projections, okay. Two things that you need to know: First off, lineups do not come in until an hour before kickoff for the games, and soccer players, soccer teams rotate players often, right? So you'll have teams that oh, the projected starting eleven is this, and then they'll announce their starting eleven. It'll be three different players in, right? Some players tend to play more often than others. Obviously, they're star, more star players. Uh so just building like you, I. I would not suggest going right now to lineup HQ to our soccer projections and going, I'm going to make five lineups and then submit them and then go on with my day, right? Who cares that three o'clock it starts and two o'clock lineups come? Like, no, I would, I would never suggest doing that. In fact, I don't even bother building my lineups until all the starting 11s are confirmed. And they're timely. It's not, they're never, they're never late for these leagues, for Champions League and Premier League and stuff like that. Now you can get a sense of like okay you know Bayern is a big favorite Man United is a home favorite I'm probably targeting Bruno Fernandez I'm probably targeting some Bayern players like you could look at that type of stuff but generally you like like don't make don't make lineups the projections will change I mean we don't even post ownership until that point anyway secondly, the standard deviation of soccer players are dramatically different from one another Dramatically, much more so than any other sport that at least I play. Meaning that if we take a look at uh, a good example, if we go to Bayern, I mean, I'm not, they have to update the projections. But we take a look here, we have Harry Kane, 13.66, and Joshua Kimmich at 13.1, 13.13, both playing 90 minutes. This is projected for 90 minutes, right? Obviously, Joshua Kimmich is cheaper at 7K, so he's more of a value. But let's say they were the same price. Let's say it's what, I mean, they're both projected for 13. The standard deviation of Harry Kane is way higher than Joshua Kimmich. Why? Joshua Kimmich is a defensive midfielder who does come up and attack, but he's their primary set piece taker, which means he takes takes most of the corners and their free kicks. And those are peripheral points. You get points for shots and crosses and, and chances created. So Joshua Kimmich on Bayern, you know, you'll see like he'll get a, you'll see his score go half a point. Now he's at one and a half. Five minutes later, he's at 3.7, 10 minutes later, he's at 5.4. Like, mm-hmm. like no goals or assists or anything, but he's racking up these little pieces, right? And obviously a lot of the crosses and set pieces that he take could lead to goals and assists and he could score those. Harry Kane, on the other hand, is a center forward meaning that he's the closest to goal, but he doesn't touch the ball that often because he's getting on the end of a pass. He's not getting in on the end of a cross. He's not doing much else where he has the ball on his feet and he's playmaking, he's crossing, he's doing, no. And because he touches the ball less, he's the most likely to score on the entire team. But you'll see 15 minutes in the game that Kerry Kane has zero points, right? Because he's not doing anything else other than taking a shot when available. So maybe you'll see 50 minutes of the game. He has one shot and a foul drawn and he's at, uh, uh, he's at two points. And then by halftime, if he didn't score or assist, he's sitting there with like three and a half points. And then the second half happens and if he doesn't score, he's going to end the game with like six or seven points. And you're like, but the the projection of Kimmich and Kane are the same. Yeah. But if Kane scores on those shots, Kane could put up, 38 points i mean like like the mean projection is 13 but the range of outcomes is very wide right so he he could score anywhere from 5 to 40 right and all those games where he scores two goals three goals has a goal and assist are buoying that mean so much higher although his median is much lower than joshua kimmich joshua kimmich doesn't have that many 40 point games but he also doesn't have many five-point games. Like, his, his range of outcomes is as much an hour. He's going to score, most likely, somewhere between 9 and 18, a large percentage of the time, which means if you're playing double-ups or head-to-heads and stuff like that, if you had a choice between the two and they were the same price, like, you'd probably much rather have Kimmich than Kane. But in GPPs, if I, if I told you that Joshua Kimmich was going to be 60% owned in GPPs, And Harry Kane was going to be 20% owned. Like Harry Kane has a much higher ceiling just, and it's worth the ownership to do that. So like, if you don't know the players in soccer, at least the main ones and how the teams operate to some extent, you can get quite warped on the projection numbers, especially if you're playing cash games, GPPs, you're, a lot of these means are going to be high because of goals and assists. And that's like what you're looking for in GPP, right, Alex? Like, if, no, imagine is, imagine GPP projections for like baseball that are weighted very heavily. Let's say, let's say we add. I going to say this, more is even more
1: drastic than, uh, this is even more drastic than baseball and hockey. Hmm. I didn't realize this. This is even more yeah, drastic. Yeah, much more drastic.
2: Ima- imagine it's the equivalent. If you wanted to uh, relate it to baseball, it's the equivalent of like adding an extra 10 points for a home run
1: every home run being grand slam or something like that. Right. Every yeah. home. And yeah. let's say every home
2: run that someone yeah. hit is a grand slam. Like Kyle Schwarber would project. For, and Aaron judge would project for like way higher than like some other guys in that range than then than even guys like Acuna, but you'd be like, well, I'd much rather have like, like your cash game lineup would just be all guys that are like strikeout or home run busts. And that probably is not the best way to go when you're looking for the best median lineup. So that's the right (laughs) now. Right. I'm saying, but that that's, that's why I wanted to highlight that. If you're going to play the champions league slate today or tomorrow or premier league, if you, if you're not aware of this type of stuff, it matters. And if you want to ask those types of questions, do so in the discord. So like Alex Hooper's always there, right? I'm there. Tuttle's there that if you want to highlight, you know, I'm not sure how Arsenal, you know, you know, this is my first time playing. I, I barely know the teams. Uh, should I play that? I'm in, I'm in GPP. Do I play uh, Victor Osiman or Leroy Sané at the same price at different ownership? it projects for a little lower. And I'm like, well, Sané has a higher floor, but Osiman has a higher ceiling. And it, that shows that Sané has a lower standard deviation, while Osiman has a higher standard deviation. So, like... Yeah, one's a center forward, one's a, you know, obviously he's a little bit more of a playmaker, and one's and one's a winger. So the winger is going to get more peripheral points on average than the center forward. So, like, even just looking at the formations of the teams, the guys closest to net in the center are much less likely to get peripheral points. And the guys that are more forward on the wings are more likely to get peripheral points. Right? The center backs, the guys that sure. are furthest from goal and in the center are the ones that are least likely to get points, sure. right? The center backs and the deep defensive midfielders. That's why, and that's why on DraftKings, they're priced at like 4K for a lot of yeah. like 3,600. You know, those, yeah, they show up with a goal once or twice a season, but they really don't generate really much peripherals because they're never in a position to cross. They're rarely making the last pass. They're rarely in the box for it to score a goal. So you're like, you're relying on like, you're eyeing on like random variants that someone gets an assist from a, a long pass from the back.
1: Um, my it's not the same thing. My kids play youth soccer, and it is amazing, even in well-coordinated bunches, how the ball spreads out to the periphery. even uh, they're trying to get that ball in the middle, they're trying to center the ball, and it's just it gets pushed. And it gets pushed. And I've noticed it just in the last couple of years, watching professional soccer how that happens just like naturally because those midfielders in the center can clog up a lot of space. The defenders clog up a lot of space. So those guys, so those left and right midfielders, they get a lot of action.
2: Right. Because I mean, the way that typically the more defensive teams, the whole goal is to clog up the middle of the field and make you have to, because crossing, crossing is like the least dynamic way of scoring. That's typically what bad teams do because you give up possession often when you cross, because you're crossing into a bunch of people, skillful teams tend to not want to cross as much because they want to keep possession and pass multiple times through the middle, through that midfield, which means you get a lot of, you know, not good attacks, right? If they can't string three or four passes together, they're left, bringing it back to the back and trying again. And next thing you know, it's been 10 minutes and you're looking on your DraftKings scoring and you're going. Like where's all the points? It's like yeah, because <laughs> they're not they're not playing wide, and they're trying to weave in. They're trying to get the perfect shot rather than blast thirty five yard shots, you know, every time mm-hmm. because they don't want to. That they're, they're too skillful to want to give up possession that easily. Alex, people can find you on Twitter, Alex Santi.
1: Yes, and on the uh, RotoGrinder streets. Um, I will not be at Fangraphs anymore just because things have changed in terms they focus they're focusing more on seasonal stuff than dfs stuff which is fine uh i disagree with it but uh that's life road grinders is doing very well with me too they've kept me very busy so uh
2: so you'll have some play are you doing some playoff stuff
1: i'm not doing any playoff content i'm just focusing on football right now
2: okay which is i'm writing a single entry stuff i i've i've read your articles
1: yeah so tuesdays i'll be writing a prize picks article uh friday morning i have a FanDuel article that focuses on ownership i don't just pick out hey this guy's too low owned, this guy's too high owned i try to get into concepts of ownership i've talked about value and ownership i've talked about tight pivots and weak pivots wide pivots um we've talked about salary when to spend up to be contrarian um and yeah my single entry article on late on friday
2: Well, check that out. Become a Roto-Grinders premium member. Click on that link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. Hit that thumbs up button on your way out the door. Hit that thumbs up button. Give me the likes. Give me the subscribes. Give me the notification bell to know when we go live. I'll be back tomorrow with Noto for a first look of the NFL Week 5 slate on DraftKings and FanDuel. Send in your questions to the mailbag. Questions at theoryofdfs.com, and I will answer them here. And anything else you're thinking about, With DFS, props, and pick 'em here on Roto Grinders
1: today.